Welcome to Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. I'm your host, A.B. Ridgeway. If you're looking for faith-based financial advice that you can actually understand, then you've come to the right place. On this show, we demystify all the financial jargon that you may hear from your financial advisor. We leverage proven financial strategies, but use faith-based principles for guidance. And during this process, we pray for discernment so we can understand the thing that works for you. This program is for the beginner, those who want to learn about finances, but doesn't have the time or willingness to go get a master's of business administration in finance or sit through an eight hour online course to figure out what a bond is. So if you are like the other millions of investors that wish they knew what their advisor was talking about, be prepared to be prepared. So sit back and relax. Not if you're driving as we get this show started. Hey, B. Yeah. Cue the music. Let's make this happen. I wanna go where the moon shines bright. I wanna dance under the stars tonight. Welcome back, everybody, to Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. Once again, I am your host, A.B. Ridgeway, and today we have something very special for you. As most of you know, my main concern is when it comes to investing is that we understand the impact. It does matter how much we make, but we also want to know how we are making this money. See, when we buy into a stock, we become an owner of that company. Yes, maybe a 0.00001% owner, but an owner nonetheless. And we want to teach our listeners to be proud of the business that they own in their portfolio. And that is what we're going to do today. We will be introducing you to sustainable investing. Not only that, we are going to inform you how to get started with sustainable investing with your financial advisor. So if you recycle your plastic bags, your cans and newspapers, if you care about how the employees at your favorite restaurant are treated, and if global warming has you worried about the next generation and their living conditions, then you have tuned in to the right podcast. We are going to discuss common terms and starting points. We're going to figure out if it is a fact or fiction that sustainable investments are doomed for lower returns. And we'll wrap up with what are your options if you want to go down this route. But as always, we will start this podcast with a scripture. Our scripture today comes from Numbers chapter 35, verse 33 to 34. You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. See, we are responsible for making sure that we don't pollute the world that we live in, not with the blood of our brothers, or with our trash that will defile the land because that is where the Lord shall dwell. This scripture speaks on taking responsibility for the choices that we make when it comes to our environment. With that said, I have invited a very special guest on this show that's going to shine a light, hopefully a solar powered one, on the subject of helping you invest in businesses that care just as much as the environment as you do. Not just the environment, but the employees who work for that company as well. With no further delay, 
He graduated from Tulane University, cum laude in economics. He took it to another level and graduated from the one and only MIT Sloan. Yes, the prestigious business school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yes, the same one that Buzz Aldridge, the astronaut, graduated from. He has over 30 years in the industry and a proud member of the Certified Financial Analyst Institute and the Financial Planning Association of Massachusetts. He was the Director of Asia Pacific Investment Specialist in Tokyo, Japan. He has also been a portfolio strategist and an investment director. I can go on and on, but to try to put his expertise into words would not do him justice at all. Colleagues, including me and clients alike, value his nuanced analysis, investment expertise, and client-centered focus. What does that mean? It means that we are lucky that this catch is on the market to serve clients such as yourself. Today, he is going to bless us with information that's going to save us the $54,000 a year tuition that it costs to go to MIT. The man I am speaking about is Stuart Peskin. How are you doing, Stuart? Very well, baby. Thank you for that introduction. Oh, no problem. That's pro no problem. So how you been doing recently? I mean, I know you're trying to adjust with, you know, a lot of the moves and everything that's going on. Doing okay. And yes, uh, here in Massachusetts right now, but uh, planning to move back to Atlanta, Georgia, our uh, home very shortly. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know my listeners are tired of listening to me and are biting at the bit to hear your insights on this new phenomenon that is sweeping the world. I mean, the move toward green investing is a global shift. I mean, just in 2020 marks the first year that investments in ESG oriented funds topped one trillion dollars. You know, far from being an investment fad, ESG investments is here to stay, in my opinion, and it's likely to become the dominant investment theme over the coming decades. So we can start with the basics. Right. So what is sustainable investing and what are some of the terms we should understand so we can kind of keep up with you or is there one, right? Is it so new? Is, is there even a common language that we can kind of lean on to? Well, I think we've really had a lot of communication breakdowns in, in the world of ESG sustainability. Right there, we have two words that people don't know. Do they mean the same thing? Do they not mean the same thing? Um, it's a funny one. An investment firm found that there was 80 different terms being used to describe some form of what I think is the de facto umbrella term, sustainable investing. So that creates a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration that people will read articles, see different terminology. Uh, in fact, the first term that sort of came along in this sphere was socially responsible. And, and some people still regard that as what they're doing when they uh, invest to their values and, and they're doing it in a socially responsible way. But what I like to do in talking to clients is just introduce them to the notion that sustainable investing is that's going to basically act as an umbrella. And then we're going to hone in on what form of sustainable investing is right for them. Are, are you finding greater success as clients and the industry as a whole are starting to adopt some you know, commonality when it comes to the terms that they use? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I've. I've noticed. So I think we've gone from communication breakdown to something of a communication breakthrough where sustainable investing 
is the, the more or less what most organizations are calling this type of investing and then acknowledging that within that, you know, there's different forms of sustainable investing. And at the core of sustainable investing is incorporating preferences along the lines of various environmental, social, and governance-related concerns. And that's where what you already mentioned, ESG, that acronym, well, you'll see that a lot. So sustainable investing is doing all of those things. You're thinking about the environment, you're thinking about your impact on society, you're thinking about how a company governs itself, and you're bringing those objectives, how you want to see your the companies you invest in or you're buying bonds of, how they perform along those dimensions. Okay, okay. So I, I can see that. So can we, you know, take a moment, kind of break that down a little bit further? So you know, let's talk about the client face-to-face interaction, right? So I'm a client. I'm walking into your office and, and, I, and I heard on financial advisors say the darndest things with A.B. Ridgeway, cheap plug, something about sustainable investing. And, and I'm here to figure out more information. What does that, inf- what does that interaction look like? Yeah. So if, if someone has already acknowledged that this is something that they want to do, then the conversation is really me listening to them, finding out what it is about their value system that has led them to this place where they feel like their investments should be aligned with those values. Is it about not holding certain companies? Is it about holding more of companies that are doing right by the world? Whichever direction they want to go, what I'm doing is as I'm listening and, and hearing what it is that's led them to this place. All right, Stuart. So I definitely understand that. Now, we talked about ESGs a little bit earlier in sustainable investing, right? We, we talked about how they are pretty much interchangeable. But I think we kind of went over a little bit quickly. So can you kind of give us a, a brief definition of what an ESG is? Sure. It, it's looking at three different categories of non-financial factors. So the E being the environment. So what is that company's impact on the environment? Are they managing waste responsibly? Are they disclosing information on all their environmental policies? Uh, We're going to be the manager who's building the fund. It's going to judge the company uh, across multiple environmental dimensions to determine who has a, a positive environmental profile. When they're looking at social, they're going to look at the safe and health uh, working conditions for the employees, the labor standards across the supply chains, uh, just a few of the social factors that would go into the social analysis. And finally, on the the governance side, um, they're going to look at is the company, what its executive compensation policies, what kind of donations and political lobbying is it doing, uh, and is it disclosing everything on these topics? So those are governance uh, concerns and, and the governance factors uh, examples. Wow, wow, wow. So, so there's a lot more to it than, you know, is this a mutual fund or a stock? There's, there's actually some kind of, you know, morality behind the choosing of these companies, correct? That, that's right. What is, I think, really developed and made the ESG analysis um, much more beneficial in, in terms of, what it's doing to identify companies that are good for the long term is some of these factors are more or less important depending upon 
what sector in the economy uh, that the particular company is in. So a good example would be on with utilities. While the governance factors and social factors are important and do come into play, if you're trying to find the utility with the best ESG profile, it's going to be more about how it ranks on the environmental front that, that plays the most into identifying the, the, the sort of ESG leader amongst utilities. I know what sustainable investing is, and now I know what an ESG is, and I have a working understanding. But let's, let's say me as a client, I go home and I start to read some articles about how when you invest in sustainable investments, you're only exposed to, let's say, less than 30% of the holdings that are in the S&P 500. So my returns may be lower. And Stuart, I love to help the environment, but I also don't want a substantially less return because I don't want to own one share of Philip Morris or something like that. So how do you address this issue with clients that, you know, may go home, you know, go on the Internet and then try to diagnose their whole portfolio uh, based on what they read about ESGs? Well, it, it is something that comes up all the time in conversation. And what's interesting about it is. Um, it was more of a, a lot of explanation had to go into, well, the ESG funds are underperforming. So there's just something inherently bad about that. Tobacco stocks had a great run. That was a big influence uh, to a lot of the ESG funds that didn't hold those stocks. And now more recently, you've had the reverse where the ESG funds seem to do be able to do no wrong. They're at the top of a lot of different lists, their performances stronger than than like situated funds what i like to let people know is you know these are a phenomenon that are gonna they're gonna be hit with these sorts of studies and analyses that are quite frankly a little bit on the light side and don't really give you the long-term view fortunately we've now had so much um, data and experience to, to, to pull from that people have done studies of all the studies <laughs> and right. virtually every, the outcome of all of those different studies of studies say the same thing, which is in the long run, you're not necessarily going to get a better return, but you're certainly not going to get necessarily a worse return. And so it's really put the performance issue off to the side. I want to have that conversation with investors to align their values, and I want to guide them in such a way that they they know that their returns won't be exactly the same as the market, but they're going to be in line with the market. Right, right. And just, just for clarity, right, you know, my program is for the beginner. You know, some of them may not be familiar uh, with the meta study. And so for our clients, um, this may be some new terminology, right? So study or meta-analysis where they kind of compile the results of many studies on the same subject and try to find a trend, you know, with the idea that each may have a, a margin of error. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, you're exactly right. So you're, they're taking the, all the information they've got from, say, 80 different studies, and they are compiling that all into one single study. Because among those 80 studies, you certainly get different conclusions, some you know, far to one side or the other. And it's only when you bring all those studies together that you, I think, get something worth, um, you know, taking a look at and 
again, the, the good news is what those meta studies say is you are not necessarily worse off. You're not necessarily better off uh, with a sustainable fund. Okay. I, I get what you're saying, right? Because, and I think we see that, right? With like, Netflix documentaries like what the health because some of these studies are funded by the people they're actually studying right or they're researching and that can cause a conflict of interest and that's why some of those studies can be kind of skewed and and this way meta-analysis can kind of weed out those outliers that may be tilting the results in one direction or another is that kind of correct oh yeah definitely and and you're just picking up um much more information when, when you go about the uh the meta type analysis Oh, perfect. Well, I think this is kind of going to be a running theme in, in 2021, right, where we compare the current economy to what happened in 2020, as we did back in 2009, you know, looking back at 2008. So can you benchmark what happened in 2020 uh, and help us understand how sustainable investing held up in one of the two worst markets in our lifetime, right? It's kind of odd for me to say that, right? Because in 2008, this was this is going to be the, the biggest financial crisis in our lifetime. And then, boom, you know, no less than 12 years later, um, we see another one. So can you kind of take a look at that for us? Sure. I mean, you know, 2020 was the perfect set of circumstances, as it turns out, for sustainable funds because they benefited on two fronts. They're going to hold little to no investment in, in fossil fuels. Um, as you know, your, some of your listeners are aware, oil prices plunged, other fossil fuel prices went down. So that was really bad. And, and quite frankly, there was a lot of uh, investors dumping fossil fuels because they're just concerned about the long term future uh, for, for all the reasons we know in terms of their, uh, what they're doing to make things worse from a climate standpoint. So that hurt, you know, those funds that were exposed to that and helped the sustainable funds that weren't exposed. And also, as we know, the, the pandemic has been a really good time for any technology cloud-based type company. They've been able to just weather this uh, situation in a fashion that's completely different than, um, you know, the retail industries, uh, leisure, all those things that were just hurt. It, you know, by a great deal. So, and technologists uh, rocked along, healthcare just rocked along. And so that's, those companies tend to be a, a heavier weight in sustainable funds. So the sustainable funds had another tailwind to their performance. And so 2020 was just uniquely good for sustainable funds. It's not likely to repeat. And it's just something people need to be aware that that, that really strong performance had a lot had everything to do with the that sort of unique set of circumstances i mean you ex you explain that very well and, and i think that's a lot of our clients concern right because right after a financial crisis a lot of our risk tolerance drops you know everybody kind of leads into one you know with confidence head over heels and then they they see what can happen to their assets when they're not diversified or if they're not investing with a strategy or they're just trying to get a quick buck and, and I think this can uh, definitely affect the way people approach uh, their investing as a whole and understanding that, you know, sustainable investment may be something that they want to lean on in the future. But at this time, I think it's time to take a brief break, you know, just in case nature is calling. Right. Cheap joke there. 
<laughs> but we will be right back. This is Financial Advisor Say the Darndest Things, and I am with Stuart Peskin, a certified financial analyst and certified financial planner, and we are discussing sustainable investing and ESGs. I will see you on the other side of this blessing. If you're enjoying this conversation uh, with Stuart Peskin and are interested in ESGs and sustainable investing, I'll have his contact information in the show notes. Or feel free to reach out to us and let us know that you want to speak with them and we'll try to make that connection for you. If you have questions during this podcast, feel free to write them down because I'll be giving you a place to send those questions later on in the show. Um, and maybe one of your questions may appear on a future episode. Welcome back, everybody. We are still with Stuart Peskins. We are talking about sustainable investing in ESGs. We have walked through a client scenario and what a face-to-face -face interaction would look like, how Stuart would educate the client about this new and innovative investment strategy that's taken over the market, and he broke down some of the myths that surround the performance of ESGs. So if you missed the first half of the podcast, I would go back and I would listen again. So Stuart, as I said, you have given us a lot of information to digest. But I think there's still another point I think we should discuss, and it's options. See, in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how these investments are growing, but still is only a small portion of the market compared to traditional investments. So, so how do you address this concern with clients? And if we do go down this route, you know, how do we find the right ESG for us? Yes. I mean, well, um, maybe, you know, in terms of just acknowledging that growth, um, you know, there are many thousands of mutual funds uh, and ETFs to choose from. But within sustainable world, there was only 50 such funds in 2016. Now there are more than 500. And, and that's just going to, um, you know, it's certainly on, on a very high growth trajectory. So we're going to see even more choices going forward. And again, back to the significance of the, the assets um, we're starting from a low base, if you go back to 2009, of only $10 million. And now at 2019, end of 2019, we were at $25 billion. So choices here, and there's going to be more and more. And what I think is really important in the conversation with investors is not to get overwhelmed with the fact that there are 500 different funds to choose from but really finding your place uh, in terms of those 500 funds, which are the types of those funds that are, that are best for you. Right. Right. I think, you know, I think we need to put it in perspective here, right? It's 500 ESGs, but how many mutual funds are there in the market as a whole? Right. So, you know, I think people who are venturing down, you know, the ESGs shouldn't feel, you know, intimidated because if you just go into the natural market, there's there's thousands of mutual funds out there, right? 
That's right. That's right. And so, and, and even when we have all these choices, we're never going to find the one that's exactly right for us. But I think if you work hard to just right up front decide which, which of the areas, and in, or you can allocate to all of them, make most sense for you. So you can keep yourself in the category of those that do exclusions. So that's one set of ESG funds. You can focus on those funds that are going to tilt their portfolio for the companies with the best ESG profile and underweight those with a poor ESG profile. And, and that's where most investors who are relatively new at this will want to fo- focus their what they look into. So, so you're talking about a screening it, process. So, so basically like almost like a screening process, right? Almost like if you're right. a dividend so, investor, you, you focused on those with, you know, high dividends, obviously. That's right. So both both are a, a screening process. One is more very exacting in the sense that they're going to exclude certain company, you know, companies for certain reasons. They might have had be involved in certain controversies or they're just involved in certain industries that that aren't palatable to the uh, to the investor and the investor's preferences. So that's that's the exclusionary approach that you're you're talking about. Right. Okay. Right. And what's come and that's that type of approach has been around for a very long time. So what's nice about that is you have some funds that have been doing this for, for many many years and you you can see that they can go along for many many years close in line with the index there might be some some ups and downs and in the end you know close to the market and and that's can be very um perfect for a lot of different investors what's came along and say the last 10 years is, is once we had more data to to analyze on the the environment the social factors the governance factors organizations were able to rank all the companies and get a overall ESG profile and identify the the companies with the best and and, and, the, and the ones that didn't rank as well and incorporate that into the mix of the overall portfolio construction where most of the portfolios invested in the companies with the best ESG profiles and uh, much to a much limited extent have uh, investments in those that, that don't rank so well. So kind of back to that point, as far as the the growing number of funds that are available, that that's actually a positive and not necessarily a negative, right? Because the more funds that we have, the more customizable our portfolio can become, because obviously they're going to have different holdings that may fit more into our risk tolerance or into, you know, like I said, that ESG profile that we're trying to create as investors. Right. Yeah. And, and, and really the, the focus of the conversation that I would have with clients is, you know, they're looking at what the S&P 500 is doing or they're looking at the, the broader Russell 3000, whatever it is that they acknowledge is, you know, important and is, you know, the basic core uh, that they want to hold. And where's their comfort level and the deviation from that market? It's the client, right, who's going to be driving that conversation about, which investments are going to be right for them, correct? Right. And so there's there's always going to be trade-offs. So if you if you say there's, you know, 
so much I want to accomplish in this portfolio in terms of, you know, I only want to have handful of firms or, uh, you know, with very, very strong ESG profiles. What you'll have to accept is higher deviation from the market. For, you know, everybody with no standard deviation is, is how far off the projected outcomes is going to be basically kind of like how far off the mark. So if you say you're going to return an 8% return with higher volatility, that can be, you know, that could be plus 18 or it could be, you know, negative, you know, 20, right? Depending on the deviation. Right. And so where you really get a lot more deviation is when you look at the funds that are categorized as being thematic. Mm -hmm. So they are really focused in on certain themes within the this spectrum of ESG. Uh, it might be climate change as an example. That is certainly one of the more popular ones where you're really focused on that particular phenomenon and saying those companies that have stand to benefit directly or indirectly from addressing climate change, that's all I want in my portfolio. And that's where you're going to get a lot more deviation from the market and would have had a great result in many cases in 2020. But you have to be, you know, acknowledge the fact that uh, you're that's not every year is going to be like 2020. And so, so thematic. So what about impact? Does that play a role in, you know, the standard deviation as you were talking about? So you're saying that there was an increased deviation if you go more thematic. Right. But what about impact? So let's say I say, hey, I want the ESG with the greatest impact. Is that also going to kind of pigeonhole me into maybe some funds with a higher deviation? Definitely. Yes. So. Impact is where you're really only focused on those companies who are going to report back uh, and and tell you what it is that their societal goals that is that they're trying to achieve through the, their business. And not a lot of companies are positioned to do that. There's you know a growing set of companies. Certainly, more European companies have report in, in that way and and have you know, satisfy uh, investors' issues and concerns that they may have and, and see that they're delivering on stated goals to do something more than just deliver financial results. But there's going to be more and more uh, choices in the U.S. market going forward, but you're, you're certainly going to have a higher deviation from the market. So I like the way that this is going. So it basically about how you want to approach the market, similar to those who are, like I said before, dividend investors and seek the highest, most consistent returns uh, when screening holdings. Now, obviously, we don't get paid for the risk that we don't take. So so those who are focused on these impact and thematics, it may have a higher standard deviation, but we may find you know, that you may get some higher returns for the risk that you're taking for concentrating in, in you know, such a small part of the market. That's right. All right. That's right. It looks like we're getting close to our time. Is there a final summary of ideas that you want to share? You know, is there, you know, because listen, there is someone out there that is literally one digit away from, you know, giving us a call and say, listen, I need to talk to this guy, Stuart, because I'm just really into these ESGs and sustainable investing. What would you say to that person who's looking for that last push to reach out and talk about ESGs and sustainable investing from their traditional portfolios? What I would say is that, you know, you, you are in the driver's seat as the investor now. And what I mean by that is you're going to be continuously provided more choices. You're going to see these fund assets grow. 
Fund companies are going to then respond to that by, by lowering the fees of these funds. And they're also going to be a great deal more transparent in, in, in the information that they provide. So I think there's really just a, a lot more to be positive about as a, in, the, in the outlook for sustainable and, and ESG investing. I want to thank Stuart Peskin for blessing us today uh, with his presence. Um, just as our scripture states in Numbers chapter 35, verse 33 through 34, you shall not pollute the land in which you live for blood pollutes the land and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who sheds it. You shall not defile the land in which you live in the midst of which I dwell for I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. You know, Stuart, I'll be remiss if... I left without giving you one more chance to kind of give us some more information because we never know, you know, if we're going to be able to get you back on the show and everything else like that. I know you're busy. Um, so I want to ask you, is there anything that you else you want to share um, to us and our audience before you go? Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely something about impact investing that's progressing, not just finding companies that are having impact, but actually if you're willing to go into the private markets, that means you're willing to accept um, having your money locked up for some time period. So many different ways to put your, your money to work for the benefit of society. It might be in a community loan fund. It might be getting together with a group of people and, and lending to a business, small business in your area. There's an enormous amount of ways to have impact outside of the, the stock market. And so it's just something that should people should be aware of that it'll, that's also an area where there's a more and more excellent opportunities to, to put your money to work. I get what you're saying. You're getting, so you're saying that, listen, you can, you can go out to the market and you can buy a mutual fund, right? And that's going out to the market, or you can just go private, right? And still have an impact on this world. So, you know, the overall idea here is that there's multiple ways that you can make an impact um, in the world. And if the private sector is going to grow, obviously, we're going to need investors to to take that route. Right. So that's right. that's awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee only advisor that believes that financial advice should be custom made. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. At our firm, we practice what we preach. So if you need more information or a better explanation of what you heard today, give us a call and we would love to have a discussion on how we can serve you. If you have a question for any of our guests on the show, you can send us an email at info at abrwealthmanagement.com and we'll be happy to forward your message. This has been Financial Advisor Say the Darndest Things and I am your host, A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. A.B. Yeah. Cue the music. These people got places to go and things to do. I want to go where the moon shines bright. I want to dance under the stars tonight. Elijah on Ridgeway is an investment advisor, representative, and owner of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces the podcast show and makes it available on his website through other distribution channels. Elijah on Ridgeway and any guest on the podcast are providing their own views and opinions that are not necessarily the views and opinions of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management. 
Nothing on the podcast show should be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any Pacific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become AB Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the darndest things podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decision. Instead, please consult with a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.